0: You know, at Christmas time we love to sing, While shepherds watched their flocks by night all seated on the ground, or The first Noel the angels did say was to certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay. But as it ever occurred to you as odd that the coming of the King of kings and Lord of lords was announced to simple country folk looking after a few sheep on a hillside, why not have it written in bright lights in the sky above Jerusalem? Or presented to dignitaries and world leaders where the paparazzi would make sure it made front page news. Why shepherds? Well, the answer is simple. The Lord Jesus came to the earth in humble human form. His kingdom would reign in people's hearts, not in the pomp and display of outward ceremony. You see, the Lord is actually the good shepherd, the one who loves his sheep, whom he diligently cares for and tenderly carries. The prophet Isaiah said that we are all like sheep because we have chosen to follow our own way. And the Gospel writer said that, like a shepherd, Jesus seeks and finds the lost ones, even giving his life for them. Little wonder that Christ had a special place in his heart for shepherds. In today's broadcast, speaker Marvin Dirksen takes a look at the characteristics of sheep and of shepherds. We hope that you will be drawn closer to the wonderful Good Shepherd, the Great Shepherd, who seeks each one of us in order to save us from certain destruction.
1: The Gospel of Luke chapter 2, and we'll start at verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. What a night and what a tremendous discovery. I'd like to read just another few verses, this time in the Gospel of John chapter 10. And these words were spoken 30 years or maybe a bit more after the passage that we have read in Luke chapter 2. The Gospel of John chapter 10, and these are the words of the Lord Jesus himself, when he said, in verse number 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Or another rendering is, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Just down the chapter, verse number 27, again the words of the Lord Jesus, where he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Great truth, isn't it? It's very clear from our understanding of shepherds, even in today's terms, that they don't rank too high on the ladder in society. They certainly don't measure up to boardroom standards. They are not the movers and the shakers in society, and they're certainly not known for their wealth and for their power. In fact, I wonder, can you even name one shepherd that has affected the course of history in a very meaningful way? I think most of us would draw a blank at that. We can think of diplomats and inventors and military generals and people in high places that have affected history. But shepherds? Not really. In fact, you know, right from the very start of our Bible and from the start of history, shepherds have been despised and looked down upon. It's the idea that, well, he's just a shepherd. He hasn't amounted to very much. In fact, the very first shepherd that's found in the Bible was a man by the name of Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, a shepherd, and yet he was murdered by his brother Cain. And years later, you remember that David, who brought just a huge victory to the nation of Israel when he brought down the giant Goliath and brought victory over the Philistines, he was despised and ridiculed by his brother and told to go back to those few sheep that he left in the wilderness. Sadly, shepherds don't rank too high. But you know, when it comes to real shepherds, Real shepherds have a heart for the sheep. They are aware of the tremendous needs of those helpless animals, of their waywardness and their proneness to wander. So they gladly spend their lives protecting and caring for their flocks. So why was this message given to these lowly shepherds? This message was given to the shepherds because, you see, the Savior who was born was actually the good shepherd himself. He'd come from heaven to seek and to save that which is lost, to care for his own flock, and ultimately to give his life as the ransom price for them. And so you see, my dear friend, that's why the Christmas story is intricately linked with the story of the shepherd. And so tonight I want to give you four very simple and yet wonderful truths concerning the good shepherd that these shepherds came to see. You might not be aware of it, but tonight... There was a good shepherd that is seeking for you. Luke chapter 15 is a very wonderful chapter of stories that the Lord Jesus told. And one of the stories includes the account of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. But a moment came when he realized that one sheep was missing. One sheep was lost. And that shepherd could have rationalized and said, well, I've got 99. I'm not going to bother with one. But that, of course, is not the heart of a real shepherd. No, that shepherd left the flock and he went out into the wilderness to look for that one lost sheep. And the Bible says he sought for that sheep until he found it. How far he went, how long it took, what dangers and costs he embraced, we are not told. But a moment came when he found that sheep, when he lifted it up on his shoulders. And tonight I want to tell you that the Christmas story concerns this same truth, that there is a shepherd who has come into this world to seek and to save that which is lost. I wonder, do you understand that the shepherd is seeking for you personally? You say, why would he be seeking for me? What would be the reason? Well, let me tell you very simply that he's seeking for you, and thank God he was seeking for me because we were not seeking him. Have you ever thought about your need of the shepherd? Have you ever discovered that you're lost? I'm afraid an awful lot of people are content with their life just moving on day by day. And they're unaware of their great need of being found by the shepherd. You know, the book of Romans chapter 3 is an x-ray that God gives of the human race, of every single one of us, no exceptions. And the Bible says there is none that seek after God. They are all gone out of the way. In fact, there was a verse that I read in the need for salvation. And I remember reading Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6. And I read these words, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And I thought to myself, that x-ray, that statement, that verdict is absolutely true of me. I was lost. And you know, sheep are prone to wander. Sheep are stubborn animals, aren't they? Sheep love to go their own way, and they're unaware of the danger along the journey. And tonight, there is a shepherd, and he's seeking for you because you are Sadly, not seeking for him. But there's another reason why the Good Shepherd is seeking. He's seeking because he knows where you are. He knows the direction that you're going. And he knows where that road is going to lead. You see, our sin has put us on the wrong road. Our independence of God has made us rebels with a determination to go our own way. And this road is ultimately going to lead us to the judgment for our sin. The Bible says so plainly in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. And if you're to read in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12, you'd read these words. There is a way that seems right to a person. And there's lots of those ways, aren't there? There is a way that seems right to a person. But the end thereof are the ways of death. It's tragic to be on the wrong road because, you see, our existence does not end At death does not end at the grave. There are eternal destinies ahead of every single one of us. And I need to tell you tonight that there's a real heaven for those that have been found by the shepherd. And yes, there's a real hell for those that resist him, who neglect him, who reject him. And that's why this good shepherd is concerned about each one of us. He's looking for us because he knows exactly where we are and what direction we're going. But there's another reason why the Good Shepherd is seeking for us. He's seeking for us because he loves us, because we have eternal value in his heart. You see, we were made for more than just the empty bubbles of pleasure. We were made for more than the unsatisfying riches that money will bring. Someone said one time that money will buy everything except happiness and peace, and money will take you everywhere except heaven. We were made for more than the empty accolades of success and fortune. We were made by God, that we might know him, that we might enjoy him, that we might serve him, and yes, that we might be in his presence forever. I remember years ago of a gentleman coming into a gospel series that we were having in the state of New Hampshire in the northeast part of the United States. We were actually preaching in a gospel tent, and so many times every audience was different. And on this particular night, there was a gentleman that came in. I'd never seen him before. He'd never been there before. It was interesting to watch his response because he listened with real interest. There were smiles on his face from time to time. And I just thought to myself, this man understands what's being said. So at the close of the meeting, when we were shaking hands at the door, I just asked him, I said, "Um, are you saved? He said, yes, I am. And so I just went on and I said, no, how were you saved? And where were you saved? And when were you saved? And with that, his face lit up, and he says, you might not believe this, but he says, I was saved in the bathroom of a Greyhound bus heading west. Well, I says, I've never heard that one before, and so tell me about it. And to make a long story short, this was a man that had grown up under the sound of the gospel, the Bible, but he had no time for it. And so in his youth, late teens, early 20s, he decided that he would get clear of it. And so he left the Midwest, and he went to the west coast of the United States. But interestingly. The place where he got employment had a Christian employer, a Christian boss, and before long that Christian gentleman spoke to the new employee about salvation, and he thought to himself, here it is again. Short time after that, he decided that he would leave, and he'd go to the southeast corner of the United States, and wouldn't you know, the very same thing happened. There was a Christian employee, a fellow worker that was a Christian, and he began to speak to him about the joy of salvation and He asked him, are you saved? And so he was soon tired of that. And he came back to the Midwest and the same thing happened. So he says, I'm going to try it again. And he got on a Greyhound bus. And as they were bumping along the road heading west, he went back to the little lavatory, the little bathroom. And when he closed the door on the little basin, he saw some gospel papers. And it just dawned upon him. It came crashing down upon him. He says, I can't outrun God. God is looking for me. And right there in that bathroom, He received Christ, was saved, rescued. The Good Shepherd had sought for him and had found him. I wonder, do you have such a moment? Have you ever understood that the Son of Man, the Good Shepherd, is seeking for me because he desires that we might be saved? But I need to tell you that there's another tremendous truth that we have read of. The Good Shepherd not only seeks for lost sheep, but the Good Shepherd has sacrificed everything that we might be saved. I think those shepherds on that Bethlehem hillside would have understood a little of the cost of being shepherds, of tending night and day with regard to these animals. But we have read a statement in John chapter 10 that astounds me. The Lord Jesus himself could say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That amazes me. Because you see, it doesn't say I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for other shepherds. I would understand that one. There's equality there. But a shepherd giving his life for sheep? What a huge difference between shepherd and sheep. What a huge difference between the mighty God, the Holy One, and sinners that are determined to go their own way. And yet that's exactly what he said. And my dear friend, that's exactly what he did. He'd come to deal with our sin, but the cost of dealing with our sin involved blood and death and a sacrifice. And there upon a cross, yes, not Bethlehem now, but outside of the city of Jerusalem, on a hill called Golgotha, Calvary, the good shepherd allowed men to nail his hands and feet, to be lifted up and laughed at and scorned. But there came a moment when the judgment for our sin fell upon the good shepherd. And it was there that he paid for our sins. He addressed our debt. He embraced the mighty gulf that separated us from God. And he bore our sin in his own body upon the tree. I can't understand, I can't fully comprehend the magnitude of heaven's love. And yet when I come to Calvary, the cross, I am made aware that there was a good shepherd. And willingly and knowingly and voluntarily, he stepped into the fire of God's righteous judgment because of our sin. Not his own, because of our sin. That we might be rescued that we might be saved, that we might be brought out of condemnation, and that we might be brought into his flock and into his family. I'm so thankful that almost 50 years ago, there was a moment when I bowed my heart and I thanked the Good Shepherd for laying down his life for me. I didn't deserve that, and I still don't deserve it, but I'm so thankful that he died for me, that he gave his life, he actually laid it down, as the payment price because of my sin. At the night, he means everything to me. He has sacrificed everything that I might be blessed for eternity. And so let me ask you a question. Have you ever thanked the Lord Jesus for dying in your place, for taking your sins upon him and suffering for them, for paying the ultimate price because of your sin? You know, as believers, many times we love to sing, bearing shame and scoffing rude in my place. Condemned, he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Oh, my dear friend, he's worth knowing. But I need to tell you very quickly now that the good shepherd not only seeks, he's looking for you. He's looking for you right now. And he's not only sacrificed, but this good shepherd, he secures. He gives an everlasting salvation. And the words that we have read in John chapter 10, verse 27 are thrilling. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That's wonderful truth. That's reassuring truth. That makes an individual secure. And that's why I love the end of the story that we already referred to in Luke chapter 15, where that good shepherd left and went after that one sheep that was lost. And he looked for that one sheep until he found it. And when he found that sheep, he didn't give it a good kick and tell it to get home. Oh, no, no, that. Loving shepherd reached down and picked up that lost, helpless animal, and he put it on his shoulders, and he brought it home. You see, the shoulders are a place of security, a place of strength, a place of assurance, a place of safety. And, you know, that's just a little picture, just a little reminder of where every believer in the Lord Jesus is found in pictorial form. We're on the shoulders. We're in a place of absolute strength and security. You see, the salvation that God desires to give to you is not here one moment and gone the next. No, he says, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. I'm so glad that I'm booked through for heaven, not because of what I do, not because of who I am. My dear friend, I have eternal life because of the matchless worth of the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. But I'm going to close because this good shepherd, he satisfies There's many people and they have read and they love Psalm 23. It's one of the most loved Psalms, I think, likely in the Bible. Written by David, himself a shepherd. But you remember how he begins that lovely Psalm? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. How personal. I shall not want. And tonight I can tell you that this good shepherd that David knew and that David wrote about is the very one who provides salvation, who gives the peace of knowing that my sins are forgiven. He guides us and feeds us and restores us. He guarantees his presence all along the journey of life, even if it's in the valley of sorrow and the valley of death. And he gives us the absolute assurance that he's going to bring us home. In fact, David says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's worth knowing. And that's why tonight, as you think of the shepherd that came, he came all the way from heaven that we might be rescued, that we might be saved. Tonight, if you don't know the Good Shepherd, I trust that you'll receive him as your personal Savior. You know, there's an old story. But it's a true one that is very touching in many ways. Occurred on December the 24th, 1875, and on that night, there was a steamboat that was moving up the Delaware River in the state of Pennsylvania. Among the many passengers that were on that steamer was a man by the name of Ira Sankey. And Ira Sankey was a very well-known gospel singer. So when the passengers understood that Ira was aboard, they came to him and they said, Ira, would you sing for us? So Ira wondered, what do I sing? That was Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1875. And he thought, likely a Christmas carol would be appropriate, be the obvious choice. But somehow he felt compelled to, to sing a different hymn. And so he began to sing, and this is what he sang. Savior, like a shepherd lead us, much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us, for our use thy fools prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us. Thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us. Thine we are. He went on to the next verse. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to thee. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to thee. When he finished that hymn, There was a man that came up alongside of him, and he said, Sir, I've been wondering, were you ever in the Union Army? Now, the Civil War had raged from, I think, 1861 to 1865, or in that whereabouts. And so Ira Sankey said, Yes, sir. He says, I enlisted actually in 1860. Well, the other gentleman continued. He says, I was in the Confederate Army on the other side. And on one moonlit night, I spied a Union soldier standing alone in the darkness, keeping guard. I raised my rifle, but before I pulled the trigger to take that man's life, the man began to sing. I thought to myself, he said that, let him sing, let him finish, and then I'll pull the trigger. But he said, sir, the hymn that was sung was this one that you've just sung. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us. For our use, thy fools prepare. Blessed Jesus Blessed Jesus, thou hast bought us, thine we are. He said, you know, as that hymn was being sung, I thought about my own upbringing. I had a praying mother. I knew a lot about the Bible. I knew that I had to meet God someday, and I wasn't ready. I've come a long way since then. I've wandered far in the paths of sin. But he said, do you think the shepherd would be interested in me now? Perhaps you're wondering the same thing. Is this shepherd interested in you? Let me tell you, absolutely yes. That's why he came. You are in view. And I I trust that you'll understand that there is one who is seeking for you that he might bless you. That he might bring you out of the emptiness of your sin and the condemnation that's following you and give you everlasting life. Receive him as your very own and come unto the great blessing of eternal life.
0: Those who have been saved know something of the tenderness and loving care of our Good Shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. How wonderful it is to know that He carries us on His shoulders and that He will never let us go. Yes, the saved are eternally secure and are as sure of heaven as if they were already there. Have you ever stopped your wandering and allowed this Good Shepherd to find you? Are you one of His flock? May you become so this Christmas. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is Glenn Todd.